This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. 319. First and 10. Play fake. Pressure's coming. Fields lost the football. Cooper scoops it up. Off to the races. And he will score. Santos' career long is 55 yards. Pressure coming. Fields over the middle. Intercepted. Picked off by Jackson. And he goes to the ground. That's right. What you heard was a defensive highlights for the Denver Broncos, something you haven't seen too many of this season. The Broncos get the job done, kind of. They do get a win, Sandy. The question, of course, at first is not whether it's valuable to get the win or not. It most certainly is. But what it means going forward for the Broncos, and I think that takes a little bit of a of look here at this game, Justin Fields... Went 28 for 35 for 335 yards and four touchdowns, a quarterback passer rating of 132.7. By virtually any measurement, the best passing game of his career by a substantial margin. And he was perfect in the first half. The only failed pass. Two two weeks in a row. Statistically perfect. perfect. Statistically perfect. The Hail Mary did not count against him. Right. That was the only incompletion. And in the first half, yesterday, Justin Fields was 16 of 17. Not dink and dunk. 231 yards. Three touchdowns. 158.3. As a passer rating, you can't do any better than that. Khalil Herbert ran for 100 yards. Uh, DJ Moore had a day, 131 yards on eight catches and a touchdown. Supposedly being covered by the best cornerback in the world. The Broncos, however, do come away with the win. A pretty fierce comeback, let's face it. Uh, one of the biggest comebacks, actually, in their history. Very few have been ever larger. And in that regard, it is a good win. And, and being 1-3 and three looks a lot different than 0-4. Oh but Sean Payton, after the game... Didn't sound like he was over the moon and celebrating. Happy to have his first win as a Denver Bronco. But I think when you hear in his voice, uh, you'll understand that he expected better. And this is a game they expected to probably win a lot closer than it was. Hopefully that's the first of many relative to where we're going. And and we just have a lot of work to do still. Um, But we can enjoy this. These guys can enjoy it. And, uh, And then we get ready to go next week and, we can dive into the, the whole jet fiasco stuff. You guys will be busy. So taking it lightly, obviously, that does come next. If you saw the Jets uh, give Kansas City a really, really good game, as a matter of fact. So we'll get into that later, of course, uh, in the week. But, yeah, I mean, it. it this was a, a valuable win. It is helpful. It matters. At the same time, realistically, Look at what we're talking about. That was the fourth biggest comeback in Broncos history, Sandy. They've trailed by 24 points and won three times, the latest in 2012 against the Chargers. But they've trailed by 21. 2020. 2020 against the Chargers. Pardon me, 2020 against yes. the Chargers. They trailed by 21 and won three times in their history. The Bears, of course, yesterday. The uh, Pardon me, the Chargers was one of the 21-point comebacks. They came back against the Chargers in 2024. I mean, 20, pardon me. Let me say that again. We got all crossed out. <laughs> Welcome to Monday. They've trailed by 21 and won three times like they did yesterday. Against the Bears in 2023, the Chargers in 2020, and the Rams in 82. They've trailed by 24 
and won three times. The Chargers in 2012. Chargering goes back a ways, everybody. The Seahawks in 1979. Well, that, that, that was the comeback that made Peyton Manning. And the Patriots in 1960. So tied for the fourth biggest comeback in history. And there's value in that. At the same time, there were, there's the mistakes by Fields and some baffling coaching decisions by Matt Eberflus. Arguably being able to go up 31-28 where Field choosing to pass on that. Uh, To those conspiracy-minded people who believe they were tanking, um, let, let me get that out of the way. Um, can, we, can we touch on that for just a second? Coaches get fired for stuff. Coaches like get fired for and things like that. And he will be fired. And moreover, will be fired by the during way, the season. He will be fired. This idea that tanking. I had, I had a conversation with a, with a good friend of mine who is a very good football mind that is firmly convinced that the Broncos are sort of shadow tanking and the Bears shadow tank better. And, and I get it. A lot of Broncos fans will think that way. No. But l- l- understand there's, there's this. There's two bad teams. Eberflus gets. Right, and that's the problem. Because it discredits the Broncos for one. Justin Fields and NFL players, by the way, no guaranteed contracts, right? So tanking for NFL players really doesn't help them. I guess you could make the argument certain other sports, baseball, for example, we saw teams do it. And, yeah, you guys have multi-year contracts. They're guaranteed. doesn't matter whether you play or not. You get paid. Not the NFL. Contracts aren't guaranteed. So when you play poorly, you might be out of the league. Listen, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't. And, you know, people excuse the Rockies saying they're tanking all the time. The Rockies don't know how to build an organization. They have an ownership that has a Rolex that is no thicker than an index card. They don't know anybody over there. They're bad because they don't know what they're doing. The Bears are bad because they don't know what they're doing. The Broncos are, I'm sorry, bad. As bad as they were on Friday afternoon at this hour, Saturday afternoon at this hour. And frankly, I didn't see anything of real value i know in major professional sports there's no such thing as a valueless win all right no right. no such thing right but we talk about moral victories and we'll talk about this subject a little bit later on today because we had two comebacks this weekend mm-hmm. every person and i mean every person i talked to who paid any attention to both games took much more comfort out of the CU comeback that fell short as opposed to the Bronco comeback that ended with a victory. I will remind everyone that in 2020, Vic Fangio saved his job and Drew Locke proved his greatness. I'm not kidding. I did the postgame show that. When the Broncos were down to the Chargers by a similar score by which they trailed yesterday at roughly the same point in the game as they trailed big yesterday. They came back and won the game with a touchdown on the final play of the game and the extra point with no seconds remaining won them the game 31-30 and everybody said, here come the Vic Fangio Broncos. 
and thus inspired the Broncos finish the year two and seven. <laughs> and a year later, Vic Fangio is out of a job, and he would have been fired that year had the Broncos had an ownership group in place, right. as they do now. Sean Payton is safe, and for that reason, I think, he could afford to be the only honest man in the Bronco locker room yesterday. The Bronco players, even those who are around in 2020, have no sense of history whatsoever. And they were all wrong. A lot of fans who backed the Broncos were fooled for a final time when they finished that season two and seven and haven't given the Broncos any credibility, nor should they have, in the intervening years. The game yesterday, if you talk about comebacks that, while they may fall short, do, do prove something, you also have to acknowledge that even a comeback from 28-7 down with 15 seconds left in the third quarter, doesn't mean very much if you actually took the time to watch the game. And I understand why some people don't watch the Broncos now. I was kidding with Peter King of NBC, who was in the press box on uh, Saturday Mm -hmm. for the CU game. And we we talked uh, coming down uh, to the locker room after the game. And I I was kidding him. I said, "I, I can't believe you're not in Chicago awaiting the barn burner likely to ensue between the Broncos and Bears. And I guess in some ways, if you didn't care at all about either team, including the the idea that they're both terrible, it, it was sort of a barn burn. It was entertaining, I <laughs> it guess, was right? Yeah. If, if you didn't know anything about either team and were somehow under the mistaken impression that either team had any idea of what it was doing. So I thought Peyton's reaction was important to an extent and also real uh just as i thought uh, Deion sanders showed his sense of humor when he came into the uh, media room following the game and said wonderful win today and then laughed he right. was obviously kidding but Deion sanders has a sense and maybe even sean payton with that line about you know, the fiasco that he created right. around this week five game with the Jets, which is virtually as meaningless as the game was yesterday. Because instead of two 0 oh, 3 teams, you have two 1 and 3 teams. Wonderful. Neither team's going anywhere. The result, which my sense is will go against the Broncos, um, I, it doesn't mean anything one way or the other because the Broncos will get their comeuppance in at least two of the following three weeks when they have to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This game yesterday was handed to the Broncos on a silver platter. It was. Yes, Benito forced a fumble. Good defensive call by the much-beleaguered Vance Joseph. Mm -hmm. Benito forces the fumble. Uh, Fields, who still, in spite of his performance yesterday, has no idea how to play quarterback in the NFL, at least the way the Bears teach football. And maybe that's that's the same. That would be the next question for Justin yeah, yeah, Fields. Yeah, right. Okay, but no quarterback in the league, with a possible exception of Zach Wilson, would have fumbled on that play. Would have seen the incoming pass rusher. Would have would have gotten down, gotten rid of the ball quicker. Whatever. Um, and you know, Cooper was there 
uh, you know, to pick up the ball and race into the end zone. It, it was a gift touchdown. Without that touchdown, they lose. And, it, it, you know, they come back to win. And, I, you know, if Eberfluss had any idea what, what he was doing, <laughs> early in the game they had fourth and two. That was the time to go for it. Late yes. in the game, kick the field goal. Of course, this dunce flips it and is ultra conservative early in the game when missing on fourth and two wouldn't have meant anything. And then late in the game when you kind of needed the three points. But even if you didn't get it there, the game's still tied. Go ahead. That must be talking about different spots in the game. Go ahead, please. Well, no. But but he made made the 35-yard field goal. That's an extra point. Yeah. I'm so saying I probably wouldn't miss it, but even if he did, you know where it's off. Well, no. And listen, they had been running the ball well, and it's a stupid play call. What you do is you take Justin Fields and you run him out, and you can do an option play if you want that and run anything like that Just all day. But you, you put the game in his hands until and, create, and, and, right. and, and tell him to create yeah. something. You don't send... Even, even Howard, he didn't make most of his yards running up the middle. He was running off guard, running off tackle, running to the outside, whatever. He wasn't making huge gains running right up the middle. It's a hideously dumb call. A quarterback sneak would have been better. That It wouldn't have been it, great. It would have been it better. Would I have agree been, with you. It would have been better. So it, this, this game was 95 to 99% about the Bears' incompetence and 1% to 5% about the, the Broncos doing something against the Bears that they wouldn't have come close to pulling off against any other team in the National Football League. And so that's where where I leave things uh, yesterday. Uh, it, it, the Broncos rallied, yes. The Bears collapse was the story of the game. It was. And, and much anticipated. I had no doubt there. once they made it 28-14, I no doubt they were going to win the game because you knew the Bears would do something stupid. They always do. They're the worst coach team in the, the NFL. They are a team with the possible exception of New England, and I don't think the Patriots still have a defensive coordinator. They're the only team in the NFL that doesn't have a defensive coordinator. This dunce, Eberfluss, calls the plays on defense now because they have no defensive coordinator because with all attendant mystery involved, the previous defensive coordinator left the team. Yeah, and there's no there's no idea, there's no tanking. I mean, think about this anyway, the idea, because I mean, I, I'm amazed that people reached out and talked about this. Justin Fields just apparently decided today to have the best passing game of his career and then make an interception late in the game okay. to help them tank but that's so the Bears could then draft his replacement? I mean, it, it's it's farcical on the surface. If you think the Broncos were secretly tanking and they were out-tanked by the Bears, I feel sorry for you because what you're failing to see, and I understand why, you're looking through orange-colored glasses. It's exactly as Sandy said. You have maybe the two worst teams in the NFL. Almost certainly. And one of them worst. had to out-screw up the other. Yes. Yes. And it turns out it was the Bears. And that was it. And hearing Sean Payton talk about the win, you know, it sounded it basically 
you're to basically all but not discount it. Say, great, enjoy it, and we'll worry about the, the Jets. But specifically, Peyton talked about the idea that they're this win in in, in the grand scheme of things. It's still, it's still a one and three. It, it, and it doesn't still necessarily in last place. they're still in last place. It doesn't necessarily mean that much. And he had a chance to talk about it and point out specifically how much work there was still left to do. I, I think the win is more significant. You know, just uh, coming back to work. You know, because there'll there'll be some tough tape tomorrow, and uh, you know, and I don't I don't want to sugarcoat anything. There there's some things. You know, we're going to play a lot better teams on our schedule and no disrespect to Chicago and Matt and what they're trying to do. And I'm sure the feeling is the same here. But um, but the, I think the win was was important for uh, for the group. I think of anything, anything, he's tilting on being overly favorable and he's getting ripped in the paper today for for being gloom and doom and grouchy pants and. Oh, are you kidding me? looked at the rest and, of the schedule? And, and I'm, I'm reading a line in Mark Kisler's This is the today. only and team is, in the NFL they could have beaten yesterday I, with that game, Sandy. I like Mark. The only one. But listen, uh, he said, well, Russell Wilson deserves all the credit for the win. Okay, um, that's fine. Uh, the Broncos pre-comeback played like an embarrassment to the city of Denver, the color orange, and themselves. I'm sorry, there's still an embarrassment. They're still an embarrassment. Because they beat the Bears, they're not an embarrassment anymore? Because the Bears only all one but team, handed them the game. Only, only the losing team can be embarrassed. In case Any you were, win you get eliminates all previous embarrassment you've caused. Baloney. In case you Baloney. were curious, by the way, the Broncos' playoff odds, uh, we, know, we talked about it before, only one 0-3 team out of the last 99 has made the playoffs. The Broncos' odds did go up to 4.7. Uh, I mean, that's that's really how impactful it really place. is. And the Bears' odds of having the first pick in the draft are now 34.8%, which makes them by far the most likely team in the league. That's the worst team in football, and they had to give you the game away. Yes, they had to give you the game. And So let's not get ahead of good, good win. Win's better than a loss. I get it. A win is better than a loss. You will take the win. Sean Payton is right on this. He's not gloom or doom. He's like, great, it's good to get wins. I'm paid to get wins. Cool. I'm glad we got one. But let's not think that we accomplished something here because they really did not. When you talk about the remaining strength of schedule, Sandy, if you look at the remaining strength of schedule, folks over at Sumer Sports do a great job of this. Here's the order. San Francisco 49ers, toughest strength of schedule left. Kansas City second. Cincinnati third. Uh Uh-oh. Miami fourth, New England fifth, also, uh-oh, Washington sixth, Buffalo seventh, Seattle eighth, including tonight's game, the Denver Broncos ninth. The Chargers happen to sit at 10th, but the Broncos have a schedule among the 10 hardest in the NFL left, and the ninth, ninth really overall as it stands right now. And the only team they've beaten is the worst team in football that had to give the game away to them. Right. So let's not get crazy. And listen, the the Jets aren't any good either. But, wow, the Broncos didn't quit yesterday. No, they quit Miami, though. And they played like a team that continued to quit until the Bears just handed them a lifeline. 
And you you knew once the Bears started to shake that they blow the game because that's what the Bears do. That's what the Bears have done uh, 14 for, straight regular for, season for games. almost 40 years now. Since the 85 Bears, they have found ways to lose games. And even when they've been good, games of consequence. Needless to say, they've been to one Super Bowl since, and they lost that one. Talk about embarrassment. That was embarrassing. The win yesterday, first of all, it gained no attention around the NFL except from those choosing to mock it. And that would have been my choice, too. (laughs) <laughs> the Broncos did not play a good defensive game, but they did have some big defensive plays that helped tip it in their favor. Sean Payton has some comments about that. We'll hear from him next on Miley Sports. Yeah, I hopped up on my back for cruising around the town. When I saw a cute couple, they were sitting making now. My girlfriend has a jacket, so I stopped and turned around like, I'm sad now, but the sun keeps on shining. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Broncos win their first game of the season and their first game under new head coach Sean Payton, 31 to 28. 21 point comeback for the Broncos to go ahead and get the win. It, it is it is sort of an interesting dichotomy there. We'll look at it with the the Buffaloes and USC and the Buffaloes comeback loss in just a little bit. But you're right. This is a win that feels like okay, I mean, good, I guess. And the Buffaloes lose and you're like, "All right. That's 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 good." And and that's the difference of expectations, right? Because sure. for the for the Buffaloes, the expectations were realistically a bowl game and yes. this performance makes you believe that they might topple somebody that earlier in the year you might think they might not have and that may get them there for the broncos the expectations at least according to sean payton realistically were to be a playoff team the problem is this win doesn't really generate faith in the broncos ability to beat other teams and i apologize i have stated the stat incorrectly regarding the strength of schedule the denver broncos have the fifth most difficult schedule Right. In the league. Cowboys first, Eagles second, Giants third. Guess what division they're all in? That's part of it. Yeah. Then the Chargers and then the Broncos. Right. Guess what division they're right. in? And that's part of it. So the fifth hardest schedule left in the league. You barely could knock off the worst team in the league. <laughs> but you did do it. And, and, and winning is better than losing. It matters. The defense is going to continue to be beleaguered, maligned, choose your rather bleak adjective here, Sandy, because even in a win, they give up 28 points to, I think, the worst team in football. They did make big plays, though, and Sean Payton took a moment to talk specifically about the importance of those in the moment. The fourth down stop, I was a little surprised. You know, we we knew they were going to go hard count, and then when they came back out, I thought, you know, they're wanting to end the game. And I, I was kind of managing the timeouts with still one left, but, you know, a first down there really puts us in a bind just relative to time. 
And those were big plays, obviously. I, I think, look, the strip fumble arguably would have been the biggest play of the game, uh, I, I think. And uh, when you score on defense, you're going to win a lot of games, and that ended up being the case today. I, I have to make a point, though, and I think in part he's doing what a head coach should do, and he's protecting his defensive coordinator, who is who much maligned, his hire, and he's protecting Vance Joseph. Um, and I'm thinking, boy, as I'm watching the game through the first yeah, was he, uh, yeah, three I was quarters he was make minus it to halftime. Uh, 15 seconds, you know, it, it, they gave up three touchdowns to the Bears who couldn't score three touchdowns in a touch football game in one quarter. And that's basically what the Broncos played in the second quarter defensively, touch football. Except they didn't touch. Remember, the previous two games combined, the the Bears had generated 27 points. I have to make this point, though. In this century, if you go by expected points added per game on the defensive side, Mm -hmm. there are more than 700 team examples. Through the first four games, EPA per game, the Denver Broncos are dead last yeah. among 700-plus teams defensively. This is the worst defensive team of the century. Went from being uh, last year celebrated as the world's greatest defense to this year being the worst defensive team in the 21st century. And there is unlikely ever to be a team worse defensively than the Denver Broncos for the remainder of this century. In case you don't like Highly that stat, unlikely. Sandy, DVOA, defensive value over average, right? And you're talking about uh, Aaron Schatz, who, who invented that for Football Outsiders, he now works at the FTN Network, also looked at it from DVOA, which goes back, which they can now track through ni- to 1981. The Denver Broncos are the worst defense in the last 42 years there also. So name your preferred stat. Not one of the worst the no. worst defense in the last four decades. These are the AFL Broncos with a better quarterback than the AFL Broncos had. Uh, Russell Wilson is in the lower half of NFL Bronco quarterbacks of all time. Charlie Johnson was a much better quarterback here than Russell Wilson has been, even if you take out last year. Craig Morton is a better quarterback here than Russell Wilson is likely to be. And Craig Morton was a lot older than Russell Wilson. And, and for people with no perspective, you know, well, Russell, they say Russell Wilson is washed up. Well, those who say Russell Wilson was washed up or even is in the sense that he is no longer capable of lifting a team, they're exactly right. He is washed up in that sense. They were wrong about Craig Morton, and I mean everybody. And I mean as a young kid coming out here, I had seen Craig Morton in training camp, up close and live with the New York Giants in the mid-1970s for all the years he was with the Giants in training camp. And he was terrible. And he was terrible in the games. And the Giants had a terrible team. But that didn't keep people from saying he's washed up and the Broncos are crazy to trade for him. And even when he got here, 
we find out later that Red Miller knew among all the quarterbacks in Bronco camp in 1977, including one Steve Spurrier, that Morton was going to be the starter. He didn't announce it, but he knew Morton was going to be the starter. That's why Red and Carol Hardy and Fred Gerke made the move they made to bring Craig Morton in. But everybody was saying, hey, but why did they trade for him? He won't even start. Spurrier will beat him out. Even if they, even if Weiss and Penrose and guys like that don't do it, Steve Spurrier will beat out Craig Morton. And Steve Spurrier wasn't a very good NFL quarterback at any time. But Craig Morton was absolutely done. Craig Morton had an MVP type of year in 1977, was actually a better quarterback four years later in 1981 than he had been in 1977. People were wrong about him. People are not wrong about the Broncos. And it is not hyperbole to suggest that this is the worst defensive team in at least 45 years I mean, it's in the it's National fair Football to say League. reasonably modern NFL history, right? 45 years. And unless you think that, that there's a correlation that, well, the Broncos are, have, a, have a, a win. Out of the bottom 11 teams in DVOA over the last 42 seasons, only three of them went 0-4. Right. That doesn't right. necessarily right. mean that you're going to go 0-4. No. Justin Fields who at times seems unable or willing to throw the ball from the back of this small studio to the window here, had I can make that eight explosive completions at 16-plus yards on the first 50 plays the Bears ran yesterday. Almost one out of six plays the Bears ran were explosive passing plays. He was at one point 24 of 26 for 292 yards and four touchdowns. This was before he threw the interception. Miami's 10 offensive touchdowns is an all-time record that, again, is unlikely to be broken in this century. I'm not talking about seven offensive touchdowns. There's barely enough time in the game to get 10 touchdowns. Special teams touchdowns a couple of defensive touchdowns. I'm talking about all 70 points were scored on 10 touchdowns and 10 extra points. Yeah. 10 offensive touchdowns. Double-digit offensive touchdowns scored in one game by one team against another team. And I'm, I'm not big into comparative scores, but how many teams in the NFL in the history of the league have won by 50 and the next week lost by 28 or more? Happy hunting. Yeah. Happy hunting. That's the difference between the Buffalo Bills, who right now seem to be playing the best brand of football, uh, having stubbed their toe on opening night, their opening night against the Jets in the last three weeks. And it is changes. I understand it changes from week to week. But Buffalo looked in every phase of the game, like a dominant team yesterday and just demolishing the Miami Dolphins. And they're getting Vaughn Miller back here yeah, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, the they're going to be yeah. better defensively. Sure and I think Josh Allen I may have learned read them his wrong. lesson. I think he learned his lesson, though. I don't think you were wrong. But I think the opening night loss was so embarrassing to Josh Allen that may be who it. blew because the game he had been single-handedly. Re- he had been regressing, yeah, single-handedly blew the game. Mm-hmm. I think that woke him up, and he said, 
I'm sure uh, if he didn't say it publicly, he said it to his teammates, he said it to his coaches. I know I can't play like that. I can't be getting hit as much as I'm getting hit. And as a result, I can't make the mistakes I'm making trying to make great plays out of nothing, which is one of the reasons he's getting hit a lot, too. Yes, absolutely. Russell Wilson has the same sort of habit. Things when you say, and it doesn't take away his aggressiveness, just ask Stefan Diggs, who now is the happiest man in the NFL, when after one week he was the unhappiest man (laughs) in the National Football League. Uh, This side of... uh, the Jones character who was uh, just released well, yes. by, by the Ravens. Non-football Maybe he's been, been unhappy yeah. all year. But Stefan Diggs is uh, certainly the most uh, unhappy offensive player on this side of Chandler Jones. Uh, the most unhappy player in the league after one week, and now he's he's dancing a jig because, uh, as, as are all of the Buffalo Bills, because the, it, it, that was dominating yesterday. That was dominating. And that that that's a big game. That's as big a game as there's been so far early in this NFL season between uh, the team that a lot of people thought was set to usurp Buffalo atop the AFC East. It certainly wasn't going to be the Jets or the Patriots. That the Miami Dolphins, who have not beaten the Buffalo Bills very often in recent years, like one time in ten games, right? Yeah. But yesterday that was going to change, and it didn't. It was one of the more one-sided games, in in point of fact. And it was a break for Miami getting their game in Buffalo in in September or October, mm-hmm. uh, first day of October, as opposed to, oh, let's say the first day of December or the first day of January, uh, when when they actually get them in Miami. Then that, that was a scheduling break for the Dolphins, and they still got crushed. The... Interesting part of this game. There are a couple interesting parts of this game, but we've talked about how the Broncos can get better, and some of that has to be really with the roster. Nick Benito, over the last couple of weeks, seems to be maybe getting it. I'm not going to go Chris Collinsworth over the over the moon on Zach Wilson getting it. And uh, yeah, not everything yeah, is that there. Was a little, but that was a little much. Obviously, he had a, a, the play of the game. Sean Payton referred to it as the, the strip sack return for a touchdown by Jonathan Cooper. Yeah. He did have an opportunity to talk about Benito and the ability to contain fields. I thought he played well. He's getting more reps. Um, we had him starting, you know, ahead of Randy, and and uh, you know, we just got to continue to stay at the level of the quarterback, not behind the quarterback. But um, you know, I felt like the edges were, were much better today. Those guys played better. Um, it's a tough quarterback to contain. We wanted to make sure we were cage rushing him, and that he had to beat us in the pocket and not out of the pocket. And we felt like if we could keep him there, then you know, we'd get our chance at an opportunity. And, and certainly that's what happened, you know, in the last play where Kareem intercepted it. You know, we had him right kind of where we wanted him in the pocket. I, I'll just say one thing in response to that, and that's all well and good. The CBS on-field correspondent reported at halftime that Peyton was lamenting the performance of his outside linebackers during the first half of the game. So, Benito's but, performance was a second But as he half. pointed out, he started over Andy Gregory. I know, but that says more about Gregory, yeah, and you know does. that's true, too, yes, it than does. it does about Benito. It does that, that says, Randy Gregory is done. I had nothing to do with his coming here. He can't play. 
and he won't play. He 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 won't play for me. It is going to be a an interesting next couple of weeks. Yes, could they be two and three? I suppose if they beat the Jets, they don't beat the Jets. They it could get really ugly. Broncos, I think Sean Payton hit it on the head. The Jets game may be the last game the Broncos are favored to win. Yeah, they have work to do. Congrats on the win. Don't let it go to your head because there's a lot of work to do for the Denver Broncos. There's a lot of work to do for the Colorado Buffaloes as well. But there are, you know, when people say, like, well, a loss is a loss. Nah, not all of them. There are such things as good losses. The University of Colorado had one on Saturday. We'll hear a little bit from Deion Sanders about it next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, I was with you up at the game in Boulder on Saturday, and the same feeling is when I got out of uh, whether it's media members, whether it's fans, whether it was uh, people from the CEO athletic department or the USC athletic department, that the 48 41 win by Caleb Williams, who is easily the best quarterback in college football. I mean, it's not even all that mm-hmm. close to my mind. But we could have watched a game, Sandy, in which we just saw perhaps the next two number one overall picks in the NFL well, draft. I, I think so. And uh, Caleb and the, Williams may be better than Shadur the Sanders. The point is that CU is but not by much for real. And, and there are good losses. That's a good loss. That game looked as if it was going to be Oregon part two. It's 48 to 21. And the Buffaloes seem to have, they stiffened their backbone. They focused on what they, they were embarrassed the week before. They locked in. And keep in mind, against Caleb Williams, the Buffaloes were not, were not and Williams was brilliant. 30 for 40, 403, six touchdowns. He threw his he threw his first pick of the year, and at, at one point, and, and it was it was a bad pick though. It was and, a bad and, pick. So when it, it, people have, have been coming up to me, and, and you know they like Shadur Sanders, but, and they but, say, "Well, he's not perfect." And I said, "Caleb Williams not perfect either." No, the interception he threw really really good would have had, had the Buffs completed the comeback. That would be the play everybody's talking about. How stupid it was, sure, for him to throw the ball like that. But keep in mind for the Buffs. They did not have not only their best defensive player in Travis Hunter, still hurt after the CSU game, but their second best defensive player in Shiloh yeah, Sanders. Well, they had three secondary starters out. against Caleb Williams in USC. And, yeah. and I get it that they they played well, but USC is a team that coming into this game, Sandy averaged fifty five point three a game. I know. I know. And listen, the Colorado defense is not very good. It isn't, and because the Colorado defense is not very good. Colorado probably will not win more than six games. No, but they will go to a bowl it. game. I think, I think they get six. My ideal would be that they play in the LA Bowl in so, at SoFi in December against Air Force. I want no part and of we'll, that. And we'll see, we'll see who the best team in the state is because oh, they aren't playing during the regular season. Well, obviously. you would you would have enough time, I guess, to fairly practice against that defense. 
and you would have a pretty fair look as opposed to the yeah, one week where you can't really do I, it. I think Air Force is better than CU. Some may disagree, but I will say this. I will say this. They showed some gumption, and and not just on offense. Mm-hmm. They showed some gumption. They showed some grit. They showed some competitiveness. And I'll tell you what. You lose the game, but this game, perhaps more than even the TCU game, proved to me that Sanders is without doubt one of the three best quarterbacks in the country right now in college football. And he is undoubtedly going to be an exceptionally good NFL player. Yes, I agree. An exceptionally good NFL player. He's smart, and I'll tell you something else. Peter King and I were talking about, after the game, the uh, he, fourth he, and five play. Is he going to pop on this week? You're going to you know, hit him up and have, uh, we'll have pop on, join us? Peter's very busy. <laughs> Peter, Peter's a great guy. I've been, no, I'm, Peter I mean, I'm joking. Years. He is he's stunningly busy. Right, and yeah. He's unbelievably busy. But he was in the in the press box, and, and, and in chatting with him, he said, listen, I, I came out here for a few reasons, and he writes about it. Well, he wrote about it today. It's the first America time in his column. 27 years yeah. of writing the column yeah. that he started with college football. Yeah. Started with college football. And uh, call, called it Dion Land, which is, uh, w- which is a nice characterization. But he, he said Shadur Sanders on that fourth and five play made a throw that Patrick Mahomes would have been proud to make. Yeah. And from the angle we had in the press box, I don't think you could fully appreciate it. But if you watch the replay a few times, wow. How, how, how he saw that young man who basically had played 11 snaps all year, basically hadn't played, and was good. Miller? Um, uh, well, we'll hear, and, yeah. Omarion and, Miller, who had seven catches for 196 yards. He, he was great. Electric. He, he was great. And Shadur Sanders, at the end of the game, uh, you know, and this is Actually kind of a professionalization of, of, of the crowd. Well, yes, he, mm-hmm. uh, he corrected on the, on the pronunciation. pronunciation. Oh, Marion, yep. Uh, uh, you know, none of us had heard of Mr. Miller uh, before the game on Saturday either because he had hardly played. And Some Shadour of us Sanders, have to memorize the, the pronunciation way, guide, so I did. Shadour Sanders no for that. <laughs> said after the game uh, a couple of things that I thought were, were very revealing. One, he said, I I went to Miller before the season began. He said, yeah, you have two choices. You can kind of watch your freshman year and kind of ease into things. Or you can commit yourself and be a real factor on this team. The cho- I mean, the choice is yours. And up until that time, he was clearly choosing the former of those two options. And the other thing he did, Sanders after the game, was say, that last five minutes, this is the professionalization of the crowd. The crowd is booing Shador Sanders in the last five minutes, or booing Colorado, and boo- uh, probably not booing Sanders, but booing uh, Sean Lewis for not getting the plays in, and they they look confused. And Sanders said, it had nothing to do with Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis wants to go fast, but my thinking is that there were two or three guys from play to play who are a little confused, and I'd rather run the play right than... We're running with a couple guys seconds. that don't know where they're at. And, exactly. and worry about two guys, 
three guys well, you, not knowing what they were. You talk about guys be. stepping up, and you talk about guys being so passengers the blame. on that freshman year. Earlier in the week, Cormani McLean, very high, highly ranked prospect at cornerback. Uh, Deion Sanders called him out for not being at practice on time, not paying attention to practice. Yeah, and I, I thought he was a little harsh. You thought he was. And Dr. Rick Perea did too. He's, yep. he's less bullish on Sanders than most. But here is a couple days later, Coromani McLean stepping up, being on the field, stepping up and making plays. He had an interception that was negated because of a penalty. Right. He had a, 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 what would have been a good special teams tackle that was negated because of another penalty. But Carmani McLean is in there making plays late in the game for the Buffs when they needed him to, also stepping up. So the idea that Sanders only has one way of getting to his players isn't necessarily true. And he had an opportunity to talk about Miller and McLean both stepping up. You know, I don't, we don't feel for him to take the field of play. He's supposed to take the narrow field of play. We want him to be that dude. So, no, we, we don't give that whatsoever. We, we have an expectation of what they should be doing and accomplishing. So, but those two young men today, what they did, they stepped out and uh, kind of separated themselves from their yesterday. Their yesterday was, was terrible. And, but today they came out and established themselves. We just wanted them to build on it because now we will establish this expectation of the expectation that we already had for them. I'm proud of them. And with their success as well, you see young guys, I just saw, met a, saw a couple recruits in. They can't wait to, to get here in the spring and, and get going. I mean, so that entices them to make sure they get their schoolwork so they can graduate early so they can get here and get going. So that's the win as well. If there's a better statement to summarize this entire Colorado program since the very bold move to hire Deion Sanders then, they separated themselves from their yesterday. I'm not sure what is. Yeah, okay. But you know who's proven right? It wasn't Deion Sanders. It was Mitchell talking about Carmani McLean. It was Mitchell who's proven right. Mitchell said, just give him some time. It's not that he's lazy. It's not that he's immature. It's not that he isn't bright. The guy who's proven right was his teammate. And maybe that's more important than Deion Sanders being proven right. Deion Sanders kind of proven wrong, in my opinion. Now, that's a, good, that's a fine statement. But to drag Miller into it, too, and say, well, Miller was kind of terrible, too. But he hadn't well, been Miller, able to get Miller, on the field. Miller couldn't get on the field. Well, Travis Hunter was the reason Miller couldn't get on the field. Who 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 was he going to replace? Well, he was was behind, he going to replace their leading receiver? He was behind. Was he going to replace Jimmy Horn? He was behind was he Tarvarish Dawson Jr., who had been taking the majority of the snaps since Hunter was hurt. All right, Dawson I, Jr. didn't I, I have just, a catch. When coaches are wrong, they're wrong, and he was wrong last week. He was he was too harsh on a young player. People develop at different rates. He may regress. And then Dan goes back to blasting me. I mean, where do you go? Well, we'll see. And it, it, that's the George Steinbrenner philosophy. Our team isn't playing up to my standards, so I'll blast them. And then when they play like the Yankees most always played, I take all the credit for it. No, they actually proved you wrong hmm. all the times you threw temper tantrums. And I'm not likening Dion to George Steinbrenner all the way down the line, but I'm I'm saying these two are freshmen. Right. You don't know what's going on in their lives. All you know is that they're coming from different 
parts of the country, and Boulder may feel like Mars to both of them. Yeah. And if there's a blind and spot that Dion has, if it has, takes he them this a month it's a to get business. it together, these aren't graduate transfers. These aren't transfers from Jackson State. These are freshmen. Carmani McLean is 165 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. I guarantee you by next year he won't be 165. Well, the old freshman so 15 alone. I mean. Not only didn't Deion Sanders allow for the physical maturation process, he didn't allow for the psychological process to take hold. And to air him out like that last week, I, I think, okay, then somebody might say, well, he motivated him. Well, he said this last Tuesday. Did he all of a sudden start Wednesday, Thursday, Friday being a perfect student? He played the other day only because three guys were, three starters correct. were hurt in the second. That's, That's the only correct. reason he played. Sure. And the only reason that Miller got his shot was because Travis Hunter was hurt. So, I listen, I give Shadur Sanders much more credit for Miller than I give the head coach, who I, I don't sense pays all that much attention to offense anyway, and that's fine because you got a head coach who's an offensive innovator as your offensive coordinator, and that's perfectly fine. But to say they were but not just McLean, but Miller, too, was terrible uh, yesterday. Again, it's a nice turn of a phrase, and it's an outlook, okay, that people can kind of sense it. But that game the other day, um, you know, Deion Sanders should have been able to say after that, you know, the one thing that people criticized with Deion's team building was the fact that he was basing it on graduate transfers and transfers, and he wouldn't be able to be, uh, he wouldn't be able to do that year after year after year. Right. Well, the freshman stole the show the other day, with the exception of Shador Sanders. That was a day for the freshmen to, to steal the show. They didn't win the game, but the those two freshmen in particular were great. And what Deion Sanders should have been able to say was, do a little crowing for all the people who didn't think our recruiting class was very good because I came in late. These two freshmen showed they can play. Now, they may not be All-Americans, but they can play. Well, we'll find out. Obviously, Sanders has room to grow as a head coach as well. He's still relatively new to it. I suspect our next guest will feel a lot like you did, Sandy. It is a mental Monday. Time for our checkup from the neck up with Dr. Rick Priya next on Miley Sports. Yeah, yeah.